0: This show brought to you by Circle of Seven Productions, www.cosproductions.com. Please be sure to subscribe and welcome to our circle.
1: Well, hello, everybody. This is Patricia W. Fisher with Readers Entertainment Radio, and it has been a very long minute since... We've had some shows, and it's just uh, end of year got crazy. Beginning of the year was crazy, so we're finally back, which is exciting. Um, And I hope that everybody had a good holiday and a good January, because it's already February. Um, For those of you that keep track of monthly observances and stuff, it is the month of heart health. Um, It is also the month of uh, Black History. And it, of course, is also the month of love because of Valentine's. And I used to really not like Valentine's when I was single. Um, Not every year when I was single, but sometimes. And um, what I want to say to anybody out there who's listening that is single, um, just be yourself. You know, all the trite things that people say love who you are, you'll finally find someone. But the deal is this. My grandmother used to say, um, for anyone who's really wanting to be in a relationship, but it's just not happening, her comment was, it's better to be lonely than to be sorry. And I don't know how everybody translates that, but I translate it as, it's better to make a really good choice than to be with someone for the sake of being with someone. So be good to yourself, be fair to yourself. And um, just be kind to yourself and go hang out with friends and do fun stuff. And, you know, the other part will happen. So just, you know, it's, it's uh, make yourself the best you possible. And, and I'll leave it at that. Um, so our author that's going to be visiting us today, and he just popped in, his name is uh, Brian Feehan. Now, the last name may sound rather familiar, and I'll tell you here in a minute. So let me tell you about Brian. He lives in his mind creating vibrant characters who tend to talk very loudly and far too often. When real life comes knocking, it is likely to be the love of his life, Michelle, or their son, Dylan. Together, they live in the northern coast of California. Brian is fascinated by most, both the written word and learning new subjects. He is always up for a laugh, a game, a drink with friends and family. And he's also the son of New York Times bestselling author Christine Feehan, who started his training to become an author before he was old enough to walk. His newest book, Harmony of Lies, is the second book of the Allison Owens series and will be out next week, the 23rd. You can get your pre-orders in. And you can find him at his website, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And in the meantime, you can always just read the first book, which is Harmony of Fire. So welcome to the show, Brian. How are you?
0: I'm good. How are you doing?
1: I'm good. Um, so it was just like a crazy morning. We're making sure we caught each other correctly.
0: <laughs> it's true. I, I don't. I don't know how everybody else's morning starts, but for the last basically three years, I haven't used an alarm clock because right now I have a, a five-year-old, oh. and he wakes me up every single morning, um, without fail. Yeah. And this morning was no different. At six twenty in the morning. And from that moment on, it's, he's well, – people he just wakes up and is like, go, go, go. And I'm like, all right, let's go, even though I need three cups of coffee. So <laughs> – Right.
1: I will be drinking that coffee while we go. <laughs> yeah. <Yes. laughs> yeah, I know. My dogs have a timer, like an internal timer. So it doesn't really matter what day of the week it is. 6.20, like you're saying, it's like it's time to go outside. Like doesn't matter what the weather is. Got to go out. So – um,
0: yeah, I get it. I do. <laughs> I know. I of feel like depth. there's a How's silent gone? war between everybody. There's like half of us are like, no, we should not get up before 10 o'clock. It just should never happen. When you want it? to stay up till midnight, <laughs> it should not happen. And the other half is like, you guys, the most work happens from like six in the morning on. And we all want to just punch the other people in the face. Like whatever side you're on, you kind of yeah. want to just punch the other people in the face. So, yes. And by the way, cats you know, I are clearly I on like the get up in the 6 in the morning part.
1: Right. You know, I like the staying at the late part. I don't know really why. I just – I don't know if I attribute it to um, – I worked a lot of night shifts when I was a nurse. But, I mean, it's – there's something about just sitting in the quiet. Um, the only problem is it's so out of sync with some of the other things that it does have a tendency to kind of mess your, you know, when you should be up type thing and when your productivity happens. So, Yeah. Um, sometimes it's guessing, so, you know, each day could be a well, new experience.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, Patricia, you're like, you're in good company, because I think that most people that read a lot of books sort of prefer to stay up late anyway. That's when you get that quiet time, mm-hmm. that like late hour, you know, cozy in the couch reading time. And I'm definitely one of those yeah. people too. That's one of my favorite
1: times. Yeah, to read late and and it's almost like you're fine with a book hangover because it's like such a good story. I just don't want to go to bed yet. Um, and uh-huh. so, what you know, when you you're when you were growing up, I mean, your mom is Christine Feehan, and I I, I was so excited because you guys are always right next to me on the bookshelves and Barnes and Noble. So I'm like, woohoo, neighbors! Um, yeah, so, totally. <laughs> You know Fisher, Beane, yay! Um, but when you were growing up, what was? I mean, how? I assume your house was just full of books, like just all sorts of books.
0: All sorts of books. Um, it was crazy the types of books. You know, when we grew up, we didn't have a lot of money. That was just the, that was just <laughs> the situation. Um, But still, books were always a priority for my mom. My mom, not only writing books and reading books all the time, she believed that kids should have books in the household. But she did something really kind of fascinating. Like, her whole thing was kids get to play with books. Um, Mm -hmm. So, like, for example, I like to play with trucks, right, and cars. Mm -hmm. And my sister liked to play with Barbie dolls. And she would have these books of, like, information you know, discovery books for kids, you know, with, like, you know, dinosaurs and whatever. And she'd be like, no, no, use the books to build a house for the Barbies and ramps for the cars. And she'd show us how to do that. So we literally would pull them all out all the time, and we would stack them up and make walls and whatever it was. And, you know, obviously this was pre-video games and and iPhones. And, um, And so they were just a constant thing in our house. And the other thing is we always saw her reading, and we always saw my dad reading and you know mm-hmm. to have those two things in the house was really kind of awesome. And then, of course, late at night, you know, she always would be like, okay, it's bedtime. I'm going to read you part of a story. And, um, and that's what she would do.
1: Yeah. It's it's interesting because I, I my dad used to read to me when I was really little. And um, that was before I you know, started absorbing everything and wanting to read all the time. But I, it was those really tender moments of sitting there and reading, I was. um Silver Chief, a Dog of the North. And I still have the book. I can't tell you anything about the book. I'd have to reread it, but I remember those moments, you know. Yeah. And and it's um it's really those little tiny nuggets of just treasures, memory treasures. And so I can imagine, you know, your mom sitting there reading to you and um now I will say about that you guys couldn't build a fort with the books, just not enough. You know? <laughs> Not quite the engineering technique yet, but you probably had books in the fort.
0: Well, are you talking about for me?
1: Yeah, I mean, for no, no. when you're growing up, we you, know, definitely... you guys had a pillow fort or whatever. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. No, no. Um, man, we used those books for everything. Like we'd do a ramp all the way down the <laughs> stairs with them because literally, it was like the one. My mom, like, back in, this is I mean, this was back in the 80s. So she literally, like, ran out of shelf space, as we all do. And so she'd get, mm-hmm. like, bags of, of romance novels. And, um, right. you know, literally it would get to that point that we had, like, full-on trash bags full of romance novels and whatever else she was reading. And uh, she just consumes books. And uh, it really, it was interesting. So, you know, with my, with Dylan, well, we do something similar at our house where he gets to use those books for anything he wants to do. You know, if he wants to stack them up and knock mm-hmm. them over, like I want him so comfortable with books that they don't feel like there's something foreign, you know? Right. Um, and I really love
1: it. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, it's fun to see when you go to, to Barnes & Noble's library, you see kids running around getting excited. It's like a little treasure hunt for them. And, um, I remember, I'm sure you guys did too, go into the library, you know, you get your bag and go to the library, fill it up, go home, read them, go back. I mean, um I I don't see as many kids do that now because everything's so easily downloaded. Um but I mean it's just one of those wonderful little memories that um I, you know, for reading, just for books was is great. And I you have the same you have a lot of the same kind of things.
0: Absolutely. It's true. It's true.
1: So so now that you've been making books, you've been making forts and ramps with books now, and you, now you're going to be starting them, <laughs> and you're getting into school. Was writing ever on your radar to – I mean, were you a writer in school, or was it something that came after, say, high school?
0: It, how do I say this? I, it was interesting. My English teachers all wanted to put, kept putting me in AP English. Um, but honestly, mm-hmm. I really struggled with ho- with homework back then, um, and uh, you know, man, I felt so confined as a as a kid, just living in a small town. I wanted to see the world, you know. So, mm-hmm. um, I, I definitely love books. Writing, I didn't think was going to be my thing, you know. Uh, my dad is right. a uh, is, is a steam fitter. You know, uh, his dad was a steam fitter, like. Uh, I definitely started doing construction when I was 13 years old. Um, I didn't see okay. that as my my dream, and uh, and I knew I wanted to see the world. So what I went into was dancing. I actually was a competitive West Coast Swing dancer, and I ended up traveling across the United States competing, and, um, uh-huh. and so I was doing couple, couple dancing. And that's what my early dream was that I chased after really, really hard, and it was fantastic. And it wasn't until I was about – twenty one that I really decided, wait a minute, this is not the dream I want. I want to become mm-hmm. a writer. And at that point, it was like ice cold water down my back, like, wait a minute, I've just spent all this energy, all this money, all this time, all these connections and progress in this one career, and now I want to be a writer. I don't know how to do that. And so I right. decided to switch it and and obviously you know, my mom jokes that we've been talking books since I was five years old. So she jokes that they like, you know, she always knew She's like, I've been prepared to you. It's fine. You do whatever you want. You're going to be. A yeah. And, uh, and of course, you know, mom's always right. You know,
1: <laughs> what was the catalyst that made you want to be a writer?
0: Uh, <laughs> a girlfriend told me I, I wasn't going to be a writer. I oh, well, okay. let, me Trans- start the, let me start at the <laughs> beginning. Yeah. Um, I knew in the dancing world that there were so many things. I got, to, I got so high up that I could kind of see the future. And I, and I realized that that future was not how I wanted my life to be. And um, okay. I did a lot of soul searching. And obviously during that time, I started just reading tons of books. And during the entire time, you know, I'm working with my mom and I'm going to conventions and everything else. And, but it was mm-hmm. the books that just kept speaking to me. And um, there's that internal flame that, I, that, that all writers get that they go, you know what, I want a story I can't seem to find. And, yeah. you know, that little flame just keeps growing inside. It goes, wait, you know, this story, if it was like this, I think I would have enjoyed it more myself, not everybody else, just myself. And I wish it was that way, but it's not that way. And that, that, those, those embers you just keep building and building. And so inside, I started just writing little stories down. Uh, like on my phone or on paper and i went to this uh readers by the sea so it was a cruise uh, i went to go help my mom navigate the whole thing and i was at a mm-hmm. dinner and the head person came over and she's like hey are you ever going to be a writer like your mom and my girlfriend who was a sweetheart she's a dancer and uh she leans over and cuts me off because i'm hesitating which is usually not what i do and she answered yeah. for me and she goes, no, no, he's never going to be a writer. He, You know, he's a dancer. And in that moment, I knew that she was wrong. I, in that moment, I knew that, that what she had just said was a lie. And mm. uh, obviously her and I didn't didn't make it out much, long, much longer than that. <laughs> um, <laughs> and from that moment on, I knew I started reading books differently. I started chasing the dream. I started studying hard. And I really started to create the craft, uh, you know, within. And uh, and that, right. was, that was really kind of the launching point, I think, uh, for me.
1: Yeah, it's always interesting to hear each person's catalyst, you know, because there's always something different. And you're right. I mean, there have been times that we've gone to the movies or seen a, a show on TV. And it's, it's it's funny because when something isn't quite working – or something didn't quite work with a story, I'll look at my kids and I said, I'll say, how would you have written that differently? And they're like, oh, well, let me tell you. <laughs> the natural, <laughs> natural storytelling is kind of ingrained in all of this. Um, not everybody's, you know, of mind to write them down. But, I mean, yeah, that, that pull to tell those stories is always a good one. And uh, so I always love hearing when people take that step.
0: What I loved about the story you just told was it totally included your kids, And you know, being a second mm-hmm. generation writer, it's hard to describe all the thousands upon thousands of storytelling conversations my mom and I have had together, and uh, right. I love that you're doing having the exact same conversations with your kids that my mom had with me and that I'm already having with my son, you know. Yeah, and uh, yeah: <clears throat> You know, I honestly it's... Go ahead.
1: It's it's interesting because, you know, after a while you kind of get the natural cadence of a story, you know, the first sec- – if you want to say first, second, third act or snowflake you method or whatever, you know, but, I mean, it's still the same of we need to make sure the middle doesn't slow down and there's a dark moment, you know, everything. Um, and it's funny because – and I'm sure you've seen this with people, especially um, – I I went to lecture at my son's high school and I was talking about story structure. And I said, give me a story, any movie. And I said, okay, and here we go. Da, 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 da. Give me another one. Okay, here we go. Da, 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 da. But they're all, you can see them all going, Oh, you know, just like, yes. And there it is, you know? So yeah, having that conversation I think is important.
0: Yeah, it it really is. And it (laughs) binds us all together, you know? And, you know, this is my second novel that, that's, that's come out. And uh, yeah. it's interesting because people are like, oh, you write romance, and, it's, and I do. Um, but in this day and age, yeah. you know, everything is so story-driven, and that's what we love. But that's what I consider myself to be, as a storyteller. And that's my yeah. entire approach to, to writing these things. Um, is just telling mm-hmm. a story, and it's exactly, you know, what my mom taught me, and it's exactly what you were teaching your son and their class, which is pretty awesome. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I mean, so now that we've bridged to that little nugget, so you started with um, book one, <laughs> and now we're on book two. So tell me about this series, and then tell me about Harmony of Life.
0: Oh, my gosh. Oh, I love it that, like, you, know, you write 400 pages, or I think this one's 366, and, uh, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, then you, you go through the interview, and they're like, all right, you got like, we'll, we'll talk about it in, like, five minutes, and you're like, wait, I I wrote it 366 pages. You can't even read that in five minutes, um, but, but that's our job now, so so, so I'll give it a shot. Um, yes. Harmony of Lies is really amazing because the first part is, is I wrote it about two years after Harmony of Fire, so, you know... Uh, for a guy like me, that's a lot of time to learn a lot of lessons, and I was able to to apply Mm -hmm. those lessons in the book, which I'm always a fan of learning, 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 and and then practicing. So for me, having just just recently reread it, um, because I have it early copy, uh, it was truly a fascinating story. So basically, Owen is a musician, and he has Mm -hmm. um, ethereal energy, which is the power of creation inside of him. And so when he creates music, that's when magical things happen. And Alice has the exact same power, and she's super strong. But when she was nine years old, this character, my bad guy, bonded her soul to his. And it was designed so he could grow in more power. Now, in, in Harmony of Lives, the book that we're talking about, uh, he's no longer around. He's, he's dead. And she got to go home to her family. Um, after being gone, I I think she's she's 26. So do the math. I think it's 17 years. So she's been gone for like 17 years, and she just finally got home. Her parents literally, literally had a fake funeral for her, and they Mm -hmm. and had another child after it. And it's the only reason why they're still together, even though they're madly in love with each other. They're just in so much pain, and now here she is on their doorstep. And the book starts three weeks after she gets home. And Owen has some obligation in San Francisco, and he and his band has to go out there, which means they have to separate. And that's where the book starts. Okay. They're literally separating. And it's like she has to go tell her parents that she's not a normal human and figure this whole thing out. And it's honestly to me, it was heart-wrenching to write the story. Um, I, I broke yeah. sort of one of the golden rules, which is like, don't head hop. Um, but there's also, if you are going to break it, there's a there's a thing that says, if you are going to break it, you have to put the person who has the most to risk uh, in right from their point of view. So for one chapter, right. one chapter only, her father is actually the one It's from his point of view as he goes and has a personal conversation with her. And it's right before, like, they come together and have to work things out. And I literally was, like, in tears writing this story from his point of view because he's a good man, and here's mm-hmm. his daughter that has been gone for seventeen years, and she goes back, and she doesn't need him anymore, you know.
1: Yeah.
0: And uh, so, so, yeah, that? it that's would the be worst part. side of that. Yeah, but then, so that's her side. But what happens with Owen is this like magical carpet ride through San Francisco, where he has to like uncover these truths and these secrets of of <clears throat> time, where there's something that's killing musicians and he's going to figure out how to solve something that nobody else has solved before. And he's going to uncover the truth of what's really going on. And he's been sort of sent on this journey without being told that he's on a journey. Uh, Meanwhile, he's just trying to hold his band together and trying to hold on to Alice, who he can't hold on to because she couldn't come with him. Right. Um, And so, so in that, I tried to capture, like, the essence of what San Francisco is. And so far, I couldn't be happier with the story. And the reviews I'm getting right now are fantastic. And I don't know if I put any hooks in there for anybody who's listening right now, but but it's truly a it, it's a I don't know. I'm very very happy with the story and proud of it.
1: Yeah, there's you can tell when authors have spent some time where they're um, where they're writing uh, about because I mean. There was a big discussion I remember years ago, people saying you can write about any place even if you haven't been there because, you know, you can look up Google and you can look up uh, different things. But the deal is there's some truth to that. Um, But if you're walking down the street and, you know, a certain bakery has a a certain cupcake they make on Tuesdays, I mean, there's just not – you smell it when the door opens. There's just not anything you can find like that on Google unless somebody writes it. So it, to really capture the city, like you're saying, um, it, it, those little details matter and it makes the story even better than it is. So congratulations. That was strong work.
0: Thank you. Did, did you read it? No.
1: I've read some of it. Yeah.
0: Uh, <laughs> Sorry. I shouldn't put you on the spot. I apologize. Um, yeah. Thank you for that so much. And you know, for me, because i was a dancer for so long but also just a person like music plays such a big role in in who we are at different moments in time you know where, where yeah. we connect to certain songs or we turn them on when we're having a bad day or we turn them on we're having a good day or we're just standing in traffic you know and um yeah and i wanted to write about that but then in itself i also wonder like <laughs> i like to do things that are incredibly challenging and i don't know <laughs> Now you are, but I found writing music in a story is incredibly challenging. And, um, yes. But so it's like trying to capture the history and, um, you know, music through time, and particularly in a city like San Francisco that has seen mm-hmm. so much and it attracts so many different artists, but then it also deters so many people. I mean, I can't tell you how I many people go to San Francisco and they go, oh, that's a great city, but I want nothing to do with it. I know that people, you know, move there, and it doesn't matter the fact that it costs the same amount of money to have a tiny little bedroom. They they love it, mm-hmm. you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, I grew up in a lot in Austin, um, and so there was always, you know, live music and um, plenty to eat and everything. It's just, it's its, its own vibe, you know, like San Francisco is its own vibe. Um, and so you have cities that are um, – I mean, New York's amazing, but there's parts of New York that have their own vibe. It's, you know, within its own little neighborhood and borough. So San Francisco is no different, and you just have to know how to capture it. So that's – I mean, that's a challenge in itself, like you're playing with the music. It's like you don't have that audible, but then you want to write it so people are hearing it, right? Um, and that's the exactly. trick. So, yeah, yeah. So did you – Did you go around and listen to some different bands? Did you just kind of um, write what you felt when you were listening to certain music? How did you kind of capture that?
0: Well, you know, Harmony Fire did so well, and I loved it so much. The characters were so vibrant. And, you know, there's a lot of music in that one as well. And Mm -hmm. I wanted, you know, everything's about what the next step is, but it's also a communication between me, the characters, and the audience. You know, who's reading the story mm-hmm. and what, what do they want? And I try to always have all those in mind, which, you know, I'm not a multitasker, so really I go, okay, what do I want? And I go, oh, what does the audience want? What do my characters want? And then it's, you know, what do we all need? And um, <laughs> and then I just keep, you know, and repeat over and over until I go insane and I don't go to sleep. <laughs> and uh, so when it came to that, I'm – Unquestionably, there were so many times I went to music and I started listening to, to music whether it's music videos Whether I mean i would be watching that movie and I'd be, I wouldn't even see the picture anymore. I'd just be listening to to the, the songs that they chose, you know And mm-hmm. uh, right. but then I also went to my own his, history and in this case, um, you know uh, Man there's so many I, I mentioned the who in there the Eagles are in there um, I think I think I put Chris Stapleton in there, which I don't care who you are if you don't like country, that guy just sings with soul. And uh mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it's really it's just been a great journey. And uh I my hope is that the readers out there can can feel music, you know, when they read the story itself.
1: Yeah. It's um we were watching I don't know if you watched The Mandalorian. Did you
0: do you watch that? Uh yeah, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. <laughs>
1: Okay, so uh, we were watching, because, you know, when you've watched all the episodes, you're like, well, what else can we watch? Oh, Behind the scenes, let's watch all that. Um, and they had the guy who does all the music for them. Um, and oh, he awful. was roommates with, with Ryan Coogler, who was the director of Black, uh, Black Panther. Um, and so this guy, and I apologize, I don't remember his name at the moment, but he was doing all these kind of haunting types. you know, sounds, and he was making stuff. Like, he was getting PVC pipe and cutting holes, and, you know, you see him with all these different kinds of drums and everything, and it was just really fascinating to see him get the music balance he wanted. And so, yeah, so it's just very cool to see an artist working. So when you're putting your words together, it's like, okay, does this all work? So, yeah, it's just a fun journey um, to see it. Was Was the second book harder to write than the first?
0: Oh, my gosh. Um, Oh, what a question. Um, You know, it's so hard to compare because the truth is is each book, I think, has its own set of challenges. Um, One of the things that I had to deal with was the fact that I'd never written a second book in a series. And, you know, like in my mom's series, she always does a fresh couple in every book. And obviously, I've, you know, (laughs) had her as a a shining example but in this series, I wanted Alison and Owen to sort of reflect more of reality as far as you get to stay with these two characters even as they, they don't just experience falling in love for the first time. They have to experience falling in love with each other all the time and choosing to be with right. each other. And, and oh, which is, you know, sounded great in my head as I decided that that's what I really wanted to do and I wrote the first book that way. But when it came to writing the second book, I realized that I don't have the power of that first moment of falling in love to, particularly when you talk about story arc, to use as part of my story arc. And so there there was this hard moment of me hitting my head against the wall going, what did I just sign up for? You know, one of my big, (laughs) um, yeah, one of the stories that I love is I love the J.D. Robb stories. You know, Dora uh, Roberts mm-hmm. uh, is obviously just a legend and a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant writer. And I love the J.D. Robb series. And in that case, um, you know, Dallas and Rourke, they're together through the whole thing. And mm-hmm. um, and so I, you know, tried to kind of model a little bit after that, or at least with that in mind. <laughs> and so then I would think about that, and then I realized I was totally screwed because Nora Roberts is a brilliant writer, and I'm just myself, and uh, <laughs> so that got me to you know hit my head against the wall even harder, which I think is a true writer moment. I think that I think that's what uh, real writing is about. It's understanding that you totally suck at this, and yet you still have to do your best to do everything you can, and uh, and that's yeah. when I discovered that you know it's about all the parts I didn't even know. Were there, and then about highlighting the ones I knew that never showed up in Harmony of Fire, and that's when I started to create this idea that each book should be a full standalone because it should feel different and feel the same as the one before it, and uh, mm-hmm. which I think uh, I think I accomplished in Harmony of but we'll see. Cause we'll see what everybody says, and um, right, uh, and but in that, all of a sudden, it went from this hard thing to this amazing it was like eating like three scoops of ice cream and not feeling bloated afterwards it was awesome and uh it felt amazing and wonderful and i just wanted to eat more ice cream and the characters just jumped off the page and then san francisco and all everything i knew there and it was just a roller coaster and the title is awesome it was uh great to write a book specifically about the title um you know where i dive into the the idea of lies and and owen and and i have to deal with them and all of the other yeah. side characters, too.
1: So, so speaking yeah. of that, with the side characters, what character have people been asking about their story?
0: Um, well, I've been, wanting, I've been getting asked questions about the backstory of Clover particularly. So Clover, for those mm-hmm. of who don't know, uh, before Allison and Owen met, Owen already had a group of his his band, and they included this woman named Clover, who's slightly younger than he is, and she sort of has this, like, (laughs) I tried to put it in there, bippity-boppity personality. She's really high on life. Like, she she really enjoys the nightclub scene and, you know, the bartending scene and just flirting and the whole deal, and yet in the band, when they have to face life and death situations, she's the number two, not his best friend, Jesse. Um, and cause she ended up having a, when they first met, she, she was in a bad situation and I don't to get her out. And that situation changed her to the point where, um, you know, now she understands the hard choices and, and right. she understands the respons- responsibility of taking care of other people. And, uh, <clears throat> and so, so I had gotten questions about like, you know, how have they met? Where was their starting point? And and that sort of thing. So, but then also there's a whole yeah. So that's that's it.
1: So, do you think that you would write (laughs) like even a short um, of her backstory?
0: No, I've been playing around with the idea of writing. (laughs) I could, could thank you. That's a great idea. I love that. Um, I've (laughs) I've actually started a, a comic strip of her and Owen and the adventures that they go on beforehand. Um, It hasn't, it hasn't, uh, it's something I play around with, you know, when I'm procrastinating from work. So, but uh, (laughs) we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Right now we're looking at uh, book three, and I'm like full on on that
1: one. And when can we expect book three? I mean, I know your book two is coming out next week, but, you know, people ask these things. So, when are you thinking about
0: it? Man, I'm so thankful people are asking I really appreciate the support and I need it. Um, I don't know, you know Because I'm a published author in this day and age. It's a it's an interesting thing You know, they sort of tend to do this thing where they want to see how your first couple books do and Then they decide what they're gonna do do next and they're not gonna throw down dates and times and releases uh, until they make that decision and I hate to say, oh, it's up to them, but you know, it is a partnership when you, publish, when you decide to work with a publishing house and you know, mm-hmm. they get to make some decisions and you know, like any partnership and, and you gotta respect that. And I'm so thankful, you know, um, the people that I work with at Berkeley are of like the nicest, most professional, hardworking, and, uh, and honestly, I just feel so blessed to have that opportunity. So, that's so, very so, cool. Well, it looks I, like you're I also think is an easy answer.
1: Okay. Well, you will be in June. It looks like you're going to be at Laurie Foster's reading and author get together, and that's in Kentucky. And then you're going to be at Comic Con um, uh, in July. Have you done Comic Con before?
0: I did. I did a Comic Con San Diego last year. It was okay. the first time having a booth. And, uh, for those that haven't gone, it's, it's insane. It's a party, it's insane, but not like, not like a crazy, like, Burning Man style party, but just being around people that love creativity. (laughs) Yeah. And love imagination and storytelling. And it just, I mean, like The Rock went to Comic Con San Diego. No, I did not see him. I mean, sure, he stood in my line for like an hour, but I didn't have time for him. And, uh, (laughs) like, anyway. It's pretty fun. If you guys have the opportunity to go, I highly recommend it. It's just one of those – everybody there was so nice. You know, um, I've the numbers now. Uh, I think it was like 160,000 people went and 260,000 yeah. people went into the city. And uh, in the convention center, which is like a city itself, um, everybody had to wear masks. And you think, you can't yeah. have that many people wear masks. It's just not going to happen. It, everybody did, and everybody was nice about it um, because, right. like, like, we're there for so, to, to be, interact with each other and have fun, and everybody's so uplifted and positive. It was pretty awesome. You should go. You should go. You should come hang out.
1: I, I would love it. I don't it. know if you um, uh, but I'll buy it's you on a on my bucket line. list. Oh, cool. Um, it's definitely on my bucket list. You know, I, I, It's funny because I've gone to a couple of comic comic store bookstores here in San Antonio, especially recently, the, um, the Wonder Woman, um, book, the new comics came out they're like, um, uh, it just, they're just incredibly gorgeous and beautiful. And, um, so I was looking at that, but it's funny because I'll walk in and the guy behind the counter always looks at me like, are you lost? And she's like, No. <laughs> like <I'm> purposely <laughs> here. Um, no, I'm really supposed to be, and and then it's like, oh, you're getting something for your kid. I'm like, no, <laughs> it's for me. <laughs> this is um, for
0: me. So yeah.
1: This is for me. Um, and it's it's fun because, like you're saying, it, you're in a, a group of like-minded people that really love the creative, the escapism. Um, nothing's too out of you know, out of bounds to consider Um, and being around that kind of creative energy. I mean, my gosh, you've got to be just thinking about 9,000 things that you would write by the time it's all done.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. I think the thing that like that I love and one of the reasons why I really want to go back is the people, you know, I, um, I mentioned earlier because I was a dancer, you know, in traveling all the US I got really comfortable being, being around a lot of people, and when you when you spend mm-hmm. that much time around that many people, and you're staying around all ages, you know, from 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 young mm-hmm. to older, um, you can't help but just feel like like we're all just kind of connected, like we're all the, the same, no matter what our uh, economic mm-hmm. or our religious beliefs or our political beliefs are. And when you go to Comic Con, it's exactly the same. First of all, you've got Like, a hundred things you could say to every single person in the room because you're all there surrounded by all this information, uh, you know, and and stuff. And everyone's smiling inside, even though you can't see it through the mask. Um, And so everybody, you know, it's just like it's a really happy, happy, happy place. And then, you know, Mm -hmm. there are moments where people settle down a little bit. Uh, from running around, and you get to have these amazing conversations with everybody. I mean, literally, there are people, like, in their 90s there. There are people, in, you know, who are seven years older. There are babies there, um, and there are teenagers there. And, like, to see that many people on the whole spectrum and have everybody mm-hmm. happy and joyful and just wanting to talk about this stuff was fantastic. So that's one of the things I really yeah. appreciate
1: about it. it I yeah. just think it's just it would be such a fun thing to do I one of the things I didn't appreciate they had something um, a comic con here in San Antonio a few years ago and I didn't realize this was that um, you know you pay to get in and then if you stand in line for I guess it's everybody but it may not be um, you stand in line to get autographs you pay for that autograph Um, and you you know if they want to sign something you got to pay for it so it's just like God how does anyone afford to be here (laughs) it's a lot of money people spend to be there.
0: And it was, for a lot of people, it's their one one vacation. It means, like, mm-hmm. that much to them, you know. And so right. yeah, they don't get to go every year. And, uh, you know, that's – they'll do it as a family. I saw in a couple of cases I met people where it was, like, three generations. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the 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 grandparent was like, you know, I, I came when this thing started. And then I started bringing my kid, and now they're bringing my grandkid. And so they, we do it as a family trip. Um, that's yeah, really cool. Uh, I had people asking if we charge for signatures. You know, as a writer, uh, I think most writers just kind of chuckle at that. That's that's not what we do. But uh, right. But but that does happen with with actors. Um, you know, in my yeah. opinion, unfortunately. But you know, each actor has their own struggles and is doing what they got to do. So.
1: Right. Right. It's it's just very interesting the whole setup. But I mean I thought, wow, this is just it's just one of those on my bucket list for sure. So yes, if I get there this year I will definitely look you up and we'll have a glass of wine. So and we'll uh talk shop brainstorm. Because well, I think that Comic Con would be a for, really cool place. <laughs> to have a story.
0: It, it, it would be actually. It would be. And it's you know, they they dress up the entire town and that's fantastic. But what I wanted to say was I wanted to hear your like, I got to hear your origin story. What got you writing at some point here? You know?
1: oh, like, you're,
0: um, you're right. Everybody's origin story is completely you know, unique and individual. And I know that there's people that are listening out there that have their own or are about to have their own.
1: Right. Um, mine, I came from a, a long line of storytellers. Um, and my great-grandmother was one of the most amazing ones. Um, she would tell stories. And sometimes I would just ask her the same – to tell the same stories because they were always so amazing. Um, And then my dad would tell stories. So I was about eight years old, I guess, fourth grade, and I decided I was completely obsessed with Will Arknest Monster. So I wrote a screenplay from the view of the monster. Um, And, you know, I would give anything to – it's like – because it was typed. My mom typed it, and it was, um, you know – copy paper between, so I don't even know where the script is now. I'm sad to think that it's just, you know, destroyed off somewhere. Um, but I just kept writing, and I kept writing, and I won a few, like, poetry contests in middle school, and I was always a big reader, and I just kept writing, and there was always this idea that I would I would do this. Um, so then I got into... I was a nurse for a while, and um, I just kept thinking, you know, I really want to do this. So I ended up going back to to school, got my journalism degree. And By then, I'm married, and um, my husband's like, you know, are you going to write that book that you keep talking about? Because I had written articles, health articles, all sorts of stuff. So I finally decided to write the book, and I sold it um, to an up-and-coming publisher and I, they said, yes, we want it. So, you know, I signed the contract. And um, about six weeks later, I'm looking at the website, and they have, you know, uh, coming soon. And it had my my book there. And I was thinking, well, wait a minute. And I look at the cover, and it's dreadful. It's truly, truly awful um, and beyond bad. And um, I said, this is not what my story is, really. And they're like, well, we know what we're doing And I said, okay, well, am I going to get my edits? They're like, oh, no, we're just going to print it as it is. And I was like, oh, my God, it's going to be awful. Because, you know, at that point I'd been with a writer's group, and it's like, you know you're going to go through a few run edits, especially being a new writer. And they were just like, no, it's good enough. And I just thought, oh, my God, this is going to be bad. So um, my friend, um, Desiree Holt, who sadly has passed away in the past few few months, um, she told me, she's like, look, Um, things are really not good from what I'm hearing from the higher-ups. They're saying their checks are bouncing, and so you just need to pull your book. Just, like, pull it, which I was like, but it's not going to get published. Um, But I pulled it, and um, thank goodness, because then they went into bankruptcy, and it would have been stuck, you know, and that whole thing. Uh, But then I, um, I just kept writing, just kept writing, and then I eventually... Pitched it to Soulmate Publishing, and I kept writing other stuff. And Soulmate Publishing said we like your book, and I got a great cover and good at it. So that was the first one. That was in 2012. Um, and the best part of that story is I found out on May 8th that I was going to have my book published, and May 9th we were we were in um, we had taken foster care classes because we wanted to adopt. And um, the very next day, we got a phone call that we had matched with two kids. So got a book oh, wow. deal and two, two more kids in 24 hours. So um, <laughs> That's awesome. now it's been 10, 11 years and still got the kids and books still out there. So, yeah, <laughs> there you go. That's awesome. That's my story.
0: I love it. <laughs> now, how, how many books do you have out now? Um, a, I have –
1: you are. Um, I have four books out with Tulay Publishing, and then I had some indies that I've um, pulled so I can uh, re-edit and re-release. And then um, waiting for Mr. Wright was the first one, and I've gotten the rights back for that. I'm getting a new cover and re-releasing that one. So, and then I'm working on book ten.
0: So wow, that's what I'm
1: doing that's right awesome. now. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's a it's a good ride. It's a, it's I like it. And uh, I'll take it because, you know, a lot of people you know, just I, never take the step, you know.
0: That's true. That's true. But you've taken the step, I mean, 10 times. That's insane. That's crazy. You <laughs> know, my, my appreciation now for every book is, like, I think that's one of the biggest things that that's really affected me in the last couple of years is, uh, you know, I watched my mom. She's been published for now for 22 years. And she's written over mm-hmm. uh, 100 books. Uh, she's published over 100 books. Right. And... In our house, you can get kind of numb to it. I mean, she's, she's, she's Christine kid She's, she's crazy. So, I mean, I mean right. she's amazing. Come on. A little crazy. And, uh, I'm going to get ticket for that. And, uh, nah. <laughs> but, but you do sort of get, you know, she'll tell you about things. And even though as I started to become a writer, I paid closer and closer and closer attention and i witnessed things for myself mm-hmm. and i got to sit in the back of rooms and be quiet and listen and i'm so grateful for that but as i went ahead and finished you know my first book and then i, I finished another book and got it published, like and then to go through the whole publishing process myself you realize yeah. some of the difficulties it can be even though it can be so exciting and so awesome and uh, and then you do the second one, and you realize that those things, if anything, they start to compound. And, um, yes. And so for you to do 10, that's 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 really amazing. That's great. Good job.
1: Thank you. Thank you. And soon you will, and, you know, if you keep going forward, you will have 10, and then, um, you know, it'll all be good. And you'll still be going to Comic-Con, and I'll still be once like, I need to go to Comic-Con. So. <laughs> It'll be good. And bring your kids. Uh, bring your kids. Yes. Oh, yeah. They would absolutely love it. Um, my youngest is 12. She's completely obsessed with dragons. Um, and I have, you know, every day she's right. She's drawing a new dragon. Um, and they, they all love the whole, we've introduced them, we've indoctrinated them properly with Marvel and DC and Lord of the Rings and Narnia and, you know, Star Wars, Star Trek. Stargate, <laughs> all of it. It's like they are properly indoctrinated. So, um, so yes. So they would have a blast for sure.
0: <laughs> so which one's going to be <laughs> It would be record? good.
1: Well, which my oldest is. Your footsteps? I you know, right now if somebody asks me that, my oldest is at um, college and she's majoring in journalism and radio, television, film. So I'm kind of thinking that she might. Um, mainly because she loves writing. She always has. But, you know, the others are starting to show their own, um, their own creativity. So it'd be, I'd love it if all of them had a writing outlet of some sort. Um, I just think it's therapeutic at at the basis of it all. I think it's just therapeutic. Uh, But I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it plays, you know? And, and I see Dylan, you know, he's five. He's got lots of time to think about it. But you never know. He may, you know, he could easily be writing some pretty uh, interesting stuff about, you know, race cars and stuff that he's building off of those books.
0: Absolutely. You know, I, uh, <clears throat> my hope is that Michelle won't hear this because I have been manipulating him like crazy exactly the way my mom did. <laughs> and so we, I make him <laughs> play games with me all the time, like, or he ask tell me a story. And like he just turned five yesterday. I'm, that's not a joke. He really did. And I, I literally am like, "Let's play a game, buddy." And he's like, "Okay, dad." And I'm like, "All right, I'll tell you a story. Then you tell me a story." And uh, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> I wickedly laugh inside, as I'm sure, as I'm sure you do, as I'm sure all uh, uh, you know storytelling parents do. Uh, yeah. You know. But you know what I I think I love, it kind of pulls them out of their big, shell a
1: little bit. Yeah.
0: It does, and it creates voice, which we all need, and uh, creativity mm-hmm. and problem solving, you know, and puzzle, you know, play puzzles together. But I also think, like anybody listening, you know, we all got here through reading books first and then writing um,
1: mm-hmm. and doing
0: this whole storytelling bit. But what I love is the community, you know. You and I, I can easily see we could talk for hours and hours and hours about all this yeah. stuff because we have so much in mm-hmm. common. And that's the platform that we all sort of live in. And that's the platform my mom and I live in and, and all the other writers I, and readers I meet. It's like we have so much to talk yeah. about and it's all like positive and good, even if we touch on darker moments for a moment, you know, right. and uh, like how The Rock stood in my line, but I didn't sign this book. Um, <laughs> and, and then we move on and we talk about happier, happier things, you know. Yeah, so.
1: it's um. There was a, a panel I was part of years ago. Um, that the sister, one of the ladies on it was Sisters in Crime, and and one of the questions was for the panel, why why sh- what is the advantage or why should we be part of a writers group? Um, you know, what good does it do for a writer since it's so solitary? And um, she said, oh, I want to answer this one, and she said because um. So the example is she and her friends were sitting at a coffee shop and one of the friends was talking about how excited she was that she was going on a second honeymoon to Italy. And this, they were staying in this castle uh, when they get there. And she said she was excited to go because she was going to go to the roof and see how hard she'd have to push someone and where they would land on the sidewalk. Now it's sisters in crime. They write murder mysteries. So, none of them were you know stressing that she was going to kill her husband obviously they're like oh okay wait so how tall is the ledge do you have to stand on it do you have to push someone over how are you going to run and push are they going to be and it's like they just kept brainstorming ways to push someone off this roof of this castle so i mean <laughs> that's why you need writer friends <laughs> so they can it's all say true. no no you don't have to call anybody she's fine
0: <laughs> you know it's true and, and yeah and there's a like so and one of my takes you know is is right now we live in a society that has more storytelling than any other time in the history of humanity uh i know i just Mm -hmm. went big on you i just went big hold on hold on to your seat but it's true (laughs) right now in this moment in time uh you know there's more storytelling going on to the average person than any other time in the history of humanity which means if you're going to actually write a story and tell them you you know i can't write a story of Sword in the Stone, you know because it's already been told you know i can't write William and Julia because right. that's already been told i can't do Jurassic Park because that's already been told I can't do Star Wars because that's already been told um, you know and, and when you have a writer's group, you get to talk about the complications of storytelling and how to overcome. A lot of these problems like how do you write a, a unique original story how would you write something mm-hmm. that's brand new but also feels exactly comfortable to the reader you know i think of friends all the time like like you know all of us wish friends was going on it always started one way and ended basically the same way we knew exactly what we were going to get for 30 minutes and we loved it like we loved it and uh mm-hmm. and that's how a book should feel also it should feel like you know what it is as you pick it up, and you know what it was when you put it down. But then it also needs to be, you know, uh, something that you've never seen before. You know, uh, like the Mandalorian, yeah. you know, or the Rock, or the Rock. Like we've never seen the Rock before. Uh, that guy's crazy. Yes. And um, <laughs> and so that's where writers group also comes in, and that's where like talking with you and talking. And I love that you have this podcast. It's fantastic. Um, That's where all that information comes in, and and it helps you navigate all, like, the stresses and gather all the information and have a good time all at the same time. I'm very thankful for my my writers groups.
1: Yeah. It's just just one of those things that you – and in a way, it's kind of your own little magical power, you know, to tell stories in a way that people want to hear it. And um, it's just – it's a cool thing. It 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 saves stories, it saves history, it saves people's words, and and it's just, I just think it's cool. So, I mean, storytelling is just, we, there's a, there's a quote that says, the greatest thing ever invented was storytelling because, yeah, people invented the wheel, but the storyteller told us how to use it. So, you know. (laughs) That's,
0: um, That's pretty cool.
1: I was paraphrasing, but that's basically what it said. Um, so yeah, it's it's a it's a cool thing. So, well, will you come back on for book three and talk to us some more?
0: Anytime you want me. Anytime you want me. I'm there. And if you can ever come out to Comic Con or AG, <laughs> our AGT, you know, uh, I meant it when I said I'll buy you a glass of wine, coffee, or water, whatever you want.
1: Sounds like a plan we'll i will we will uh I will put in my calendar see if we can make that happen so I appreciate you very much for spending time with us today
0: yeah, thank you so much and thanks to everybody else Please, i hope you guys uh go out and pick up harmony alive it, It's truly a, a labor of love there's a ton of good stuff in there for everybody is my hope and if not you know go online and and tell me what you really think i love I read all the reviews everywhere so uh on all public <laughs> you're websites. a brave brave man. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I oh, let my mom read it, them now. She it? just tells me if they're good. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, there you go. I, yeah. You use your mom like I use mine. I love it. That's perfect. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yes. I tell her what to so read we all have the been time, talking- too. I've been talking to Brian Feehan. that's F-E-E-H-A-N and if you want to pick up his latest book Harmony of Lies it is out next week on the 23rd but in the meantime you can read Harmony of Fire which is the first book in the series and this gives you about a week or so you can finish that up before the new one comes out Um, and you'll be done with your book hangover before Harmony of Lies comes out so you can find him also at his website you can sign up for his newsletter there and Facebook Twitter, Instagram and all the links are in the write up of the show So I appreciate everybody, and thank you again, Brian. Um, We will talk again soon, I'm sure.
0: Thank you so much, Patricia. Thank you, everybody. Uh, You know, have a wonderful uh, week.
1: Everybody, keep on reading.
0: This show brought to you by Circle of Seven Productions, www.cosproductions.com. Please be sure to subscribe, and welcome to our circle.